Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Healer Heal Yourself. Reduce burnout, discover your creativity while you heal others. Today, my guest is Dr. Casey Budd. She's a holistic psychiatrist, a physician, artist, astrologer, writer, and yoga instructor. She has lived a somewhat nomadic life at times, doing everything from being a ski instructor to artist um, and has developed art programs for healing. She has had a very interesting journey and I hope that you will listen to the very end because she really goes into her life and challenges and her journey through all of that. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this interview. So thanks for joining us. And welcome, Dr. Casey Budd. I started discovering that I wanted to be a doctor in seventh grade because I found science really interesting. And particularly, it was kind of like life science, more about nature and biology and, you know, lichen and algae and things like that. I just found it really interesting. And I'd already discovered as a child that nature was very soothing for me. Uh Um, Where did you grow up, by the way? I grew up in South Georgia, really near kind of South Central Georgia, near the Florida line. It's very swampy there. It's kind of a small college town that I'm from. Um, And there's not much to do there. So I discovered art and sports and nature to kind of entertain myself as well as to soothe myself because I am super sensitive, you know, kind of art, artsy sensitive person in general. And so when I would get stressed out or upset about anything, I always turn to nature to help myself. So I was very interested in nature, just energetically, as well as I became interested in it in school, kind of as bio, like biology. And, and so I started to think maybe I might want to go towards medical as well, you know, because of the science interest, but also as when I was in high school, I did a lot of volunteer work and worked with different organizations I was part of and really enjoyed one-to-one nurturing type interactions. Mm -hmm. And I felt that they opened my heart in a way that I had not experienced before. And so that started to be kind of a supplemental bit of information that encouraged me to think, okay, maybe the medicine path is kind of calling me, but I always had this art interest on the side. So kind of as a child, many people wanted to go to the toy store. I usually wanted to go to the art store. So Mm -hmm. I would take my allowance and go and buy art supplies. And I pretty much painted anything in my house that was Mm -hmm. sitting around, you know, a thermos or a Kleenex box or the light plate for the light switch or, you know, a stool, anything that wasn't a fine piece of furniture (laughs) Um, I would paint. It sounds like your parents allowed you to to have this artistic freedom. Were your parents artists as well? No, they, my my mom is a great art appreciator and music appreciator. So I think they were, you know, interested in art and culture. My dad is very creative you know, he applies it a little bit more in a business sense, but he's very, so he's very entrepreneurial, very kind of innovative and creative. And he's kind of almost engineering mind in some ways, like he's kind of fixes things and um, that sort of thing. So in some ways, the, the raw materials, I guess, are there in a different way, but I'm the most overtly artistic one. My dad's sister painted some as well. So there's like a little bit of art in the family, but I'm the most overtly artistic one. That that sounds great. So what happened in high school? Did you get the encouragement to go into the sciences as a woman, a young woman? 
To some degree, I will say I enjoyed my art classes much more than my science classes. Mm -hmm. So it, it did start to become a little bit confusing for me. I actually won an art award. I never won a science award. I won a Spanish award and an art award at like honors day in my school. Um, so that was interesting reflection. Like those were my best subjects. I'm living in Mexico right now in part because I do speak Spanish pretty fluently and enjoy practicing. But, and that goes, dates back to high school. Um, I continued studying, but, but and yeah, I took art. Did mm -hmm. you continue the arts as well or? To some degree, like I was saying before we started this interview, I, I started to feel a little bit of a conflict within myself because I knew art was my favorite subject. I was really passionate about it. Even when they gave me the award, they said, there are several talented students in our school but you're the most passionate one who also has talent. Um, so I really like stood out as having this passion for art and really did love it. I used to go into school early to paint and like work on whatever my project was that I was painting. And I was paint, you know, I was doing things that weren't even assigned. You know, I would stay in lunch. I was doing my own paintings and things like that and was in some local shows and things like that. And so it was, kind of confusing, but at the same time, I, I had that strong feeling to become a doctor as well. And I was just trying to reconcile the two and figure out which one was going to be stronger. And when I went to college, I didn't keep taking visual art classes. And I regret that hmm. in some ways. Where I did think you go to college? Initially, I went to the University of Georgia on a scholarship okay. so I'm from Georgia, and they make it very easy to go on a scholarship if you have high test scores and good grades. They just pretty much give you a scholarship because they're trying to get good students. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in the honors program, but they had a pretty restrictive schedule. And I ended up transferring from Georgia to Duke, actually in part because of the restrictivity of the schedule, not really giving me room to take a lot of electives. The electives that you could take even for pre-med were pretty like limited, like choose from this, you know, English type class and, you know, or sociology type class. Like they had these prescriptions that mm -hmm. I didn't even feel like art was an option based on their limited schedule options. It might have been, um, but it wasn't an easy option. And so ultimately, because of that restrictivity, as well as just, I didn't work very hard for straight A's there. And so it was a great experience in many ways. It was such a fun school. Socially, it was so enriching. I loved it socially, but academically, I wasn't very challenged by it. So I was just starting to think to myself, like, I, I think I want greater academic challenge and, you know, more academic opportunities to take different kinds of classes and not so restrictive a schedule. So I found that Duke accepted transfers and I thought that that would be a good fit for me. And, mm -hmm. and it was significantly more challenging. It was the academic challenge that I was looking for. And again, it crossed my mind to try to take visual art, but I don't know if there was block that I put on myself because I knew it would confuse me even more. And I felt kind of at some level that I, it was appropriate for me to become a doctor and like I was still moving in that direction and I didn't want to confuse myself. So I took art history, I actually minored in art history because I loved art. And that way I got to learn about and look at art and think about art. And I'm a psychiatrist as well. I didn't say that before no, we started you. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in a way I got to see my analytical abilities starting to bloom with my art history minor because I was very good at analyzing the mm. art and comparing things and kind of figuring out why the artist might have like made that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was a fun 
yeah exercise for me yeah definitely so you tell me more about where did you go to medical school and what was that so after so yeah I, yeah, I applied to medical school in the regular way during college and I got accepted to a couple of schools, but I ended up deciding to go to the University of Michigan in part because they had a really cool town, you know, it was based in Ann Arbor and that was a really cool progressive town. So I was kind of learning just from the Georgia to Duke jump mm -hmm. and the, the, you know, the variety of people I was exposed to at Duke compared to Georgia. I was like, okay, you know, I really like a lot of diversity. I really like a lot of people from other places in the country, you know, even people coming from other countries. I just wanted a more progressive town even, like I kind of wanted even more options for things like yoga and health food and, um, you know, spiritual bookshops and progressive politics and parks in the city and things like that. So I fell in love with Ann Arbor just for its progressive culture and kind of the holistic, natural, spiritual options that were in the community. And then the school itself had a Center for Alternative Medicine, which oh. was one of only like two or three in the country at that time. So it was a very small, like kind of growing interest, but it was just super small in, in the country at the time. So I was super excited to see that there. So that kind of tipped me those two things tipped me in that direction. Mm. Um, so yeah, I went to Ann Arbor. I actually took a year off between college and med school though. And I say that just because it relates to my, like being such a creative person within the medical model and how structured and kind of rigid and exacting it is. I've always had to, work hard and kind of push a little bit against that and do things a little bit differently in order to take care of myself. So I felt really tired after Duke. It was hard work. It was really harder than med school, to be honest. My Duke science classes, especially, were harder than med school. And so I was exhausted when I graduated and I ended up deferring a year and I went and lived in Colorado and um, taught skiing. <laughs> and enjoyed yeah, and enjoyed myself. We need a period of recovery. Yeah. That's From, the way I felt. Like that. And so you started med school right after a year of being a ski instructor. Mm -hmm. And I did do a, in order to you know, make the time more meaningful. A friend of mine from Duke and I got a grant from the Wrigley Foundation and we actually wrote a book on eating disorders and self-esteem or mm -hmm. adolescence. And so we did this kind of project. And we, okay. we also did like a stress relief program in Breckenridge as well for teenagers. So both of us were interested in teenage mental health. She became a psychiatrist as well. We both became psychiatrists. Uh -huh. What was the name of the book? What's the title? Reflections in the Mirror, Taking a Closer Look at Eating Disorders in Adolescence. And it was just printed by a small publisher. I actually am think I still have the rights to it. And I'm thinking about getting it republished at some point, but it needs, you know, updating. Yes. Yeah. No, there's such a need for that. Um, and so, okay. So then you deferred for a year. You went deferred to for a year, wrote the book, taught skiing, had a lot of fun, moved to Ann Arbor you know, went through med school and in medical school, I quickly became very stressed out and anxious and kind of depleted, um, overwhelmed. Although I did, I maintained my grades. I did really well academically, but it was taxing on my emotional and physical health. And I got irritable bowel syndrome and my childhood migraines returned and, um, you know, I just was visibly anxious too. People were trying to put me on SSRIs and Ativan and, you know, clonazepam and stuff just from, you know, interacting with me and seeing how anxious I was. And I didn't want to be on those things. So I thus started my interest in holistic medicine, actually, like in 
in um, maybe earnest. I was interested in it before I even started in med school, but it became necessary for me to apply that interest to myself and really, really learn holistic things that might help me, you know, make it through. I'm just wondering if during this time you were highly anxious, were you doing any visual arts or painting or any kind of any creative outlet at all? Oh, and I feel like that's part of the problem as well. I, I totally agree. It was part of the problem. And it is part of the problem because I think in medical school, the arts, the visual arts aren't as valued, right? I mean, and I noticed all- Harvard and maybe a couple of other schools recently have started adding art classes because they, you know, data is showing that it really does help with people's stress and their anxiety and it, it's creating better outcomes for their students. But at that time, definitely, and I, I still don't think Michigan is one of the schools that has added it, but at that time it wasn't yeah, happening I- and I wasn't making it happen on my own either. For the first year and a half. Uh What years were you in medical school? 98 through 02. Okay. But I did do, I started to, you know, try to create some opportunities for myself. So I was doing yoga and meditating and that was helping and, and taking herbs and changing my diet and that was helping. So I was slowly improving but yeah. still I hadn't added the creative piece, but I started adding it eventually because I was realizing I needed to, but it, you might've discovered this too. But one thing I discovered was I just didn't feel creative because I was so limited in a structure. And, you know, it just was like such a restrictive life that I felt not inspired to be creative, but I kind of forced myself. So I started going to a drum circle And I started getting creative with music and that helped me, you know, just start to open up that world more. And I started basically trying to find other mentors who, you know, might be able to help, who might be a little bit more sensitive or artistic or creative or interesting or diverse themselves And I did find this one woman and she had done the Center for Mind-Body Medicine training in Washington, D.C. with a psychiatrist named Jim Gordon. And it enabled her to create this mind-body skills group that teaches meditation and does a dance kind of experience and does some drawing and some like soft art therapy. And so I ended up you know, hearing that she was trained to do this. And I was like, we need this. So this was my second year in med school. So I basically helped her through the center of integrative medicine that we had at Michigan. I helped her get funding to lead this program. I recruited the students. We had a journaling exercise too. So there was kind of like some creative elements as well as some meditation and movement um, that were part of that whole experience. So that went on for six weeks and I felt so much better we, we did some research on it. All of the participants felt so much better. We had like improvements in every domain and the program continued for the school, which was really awesome. So that was like a cool contribution I was able to make. And it did start to get me more in a creative flow, which really helped. I love it. I love that story. Yeah, that's definitely what we need. Mm-hmm. And then... So then once I was kind of rolling with that energy a little bit and kind of after that experience, I decided to continue something that I did at Duke. I didn't mention this earlier, but as my kind of my senior project in my art, in my art history minor, I founded an art therapy program at the Ronald McDonald House at Duke that I secured funding for and I led myself. And, you know, we basically had an art therapy exercise every week that I went and gave the Ronald McDonald house. And then when I was at Michigan in my second year, after this, I I was, my wheels were turning. I started the same thing at, at Michigan and I got permission from the children's hospital this time. And I recruited volunteers from the student body. So it became a bigger, like, program, I guess it wasn't just me, it was me and a bunch of students. And suddenly I was training the other facilitators 
rather than leading all the programs myself. And we had programs, I think sometimes several times a week at the children's hospital, bunch of students participating, doing art therapy. And the, the kids in the hospital and their parents were the you know, main participants, but all of, us, all of the leaders did the projects too. And they were really therapeutic for all of us. So, Yay. so That's I brought the creativity back. You did. You did. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so where did you go for residency and how, how did you choose psychiatry? Well, that's an interesting story as well. So I kind of similar to what happened between med school and college. I mean, I started out in a normal way. I, I was headed towards pediatrics really from college, I volunteered when I was at Duke in pediatric oncology. And I um, mentioned I did the thing at the Ronald McDonald house that was mostly oncology patients. So I had this pull towards pediatric oncology originally. And then I, and I think that was because honestly, those kids really opened my heart so much because they tended to have a lot of joy despite the very, huge mortality questions they were facing. And I just found that so just heart breaking and opening. Um, But ultimately I realized in medical school that like the nuts and bolts of oncology weren't as interesting to me as the the patient was. Um, So I just couldn't reconcile those two issues of, you know, what it meant to be an oncologist versus dealing with those patients, which I valued a lot you know, those two things, but I still was interested in pediatrics and my interest in teenagers kind of had returned. I mentioned that earlier about the book um, for teenagers. So I decided that I wanted to go into adolescent medicine and I was doing a lot of electives in adolescent medicine. And I really appreciated the public health aspect as well as there was a lot of kind of psychological, emotional counseling that was happening. And so I was loving that. So my plan was adolescent medicine. I considered psychiatry, it was my second choice and family medicine was my third choice. Mm -hmm. But but I was thinking adolescent. And so I interviewed for pediatrics programs because it's a three-year pediatrics residency followed by a three-year fellowship. And so I interviewed top programs, I ended up, getting my top choice, which was the University of Colorado. I had gone out there for a one month elective. They have a really strong adolescent program there and a fellowship. So kind of my plan was to just stay and do the whole thing. I love Colorado. I'd already lived there. I like to ski. So everything was lining up perfectly, but big, but strangely, when I got there after being a top student, at Michigan, I had great board scores, good evaluations, top, you know, I felt like I was in the upper part of my class and I seemed to be based on evaluations. But when I got to residency, it was kind of like a hard arrival. I suddenly found myself struggling. I felt myself to be behind. I didn't, I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying the general peds rotations, whereas I had enjoyed them in Michigan for some reason. Um, but I, I wasn't enjoying them. Um, I had a really just hard month in the NICU. I had an easy month in outpatient rotation and a hard month in a city hospital um, inpatient peds. And I just started feeling very confused and I started getting kind of depressed and just, again, losing motivation, confused about my, was I in the right track? Why was I disliking this so much? Was this where I'm meant to be? So I started just kind of losing the thread a bit and questioning all my decisions and was I in the right field and did I want to do this? Was I willing to put six years towards this? It's kind of miserable. Can I get through this? So I basically started talking to the program director and said, I you know, started sharing my feelings and just decided to take a month off um, and get some counseling and just you know, explore some different career options, talk to the psych department, because I was thinking about switching into psych at that point. I was thinking about getting a master's in transpersonal psychology from Naropa, 
I was thinking about going to naturopathic school at Bastyr. I was still in the back of my mind, is art my path? Um, so I had, I was confused. It was like a dark night of the soul, really. And, and at the end of a month, I was no closer to the answer. And so I did something extremely controversial and I left my internship mm -hmm. permanently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was very traumatic for my family and for me and for advisors and people with both within my residency and to some degree in med school, because, you know, it, it seemed like I was so set up for success in this path, but I just felt so confused. I didn't feel I had the, my heart was not in it. I didn't feel like yeah. I had the heart to back up the hard work. Well, good for you for doing that. Um, a lot of people aren't brave enough to do that and they push through or ignore those feelings. Right. Yeah, and I just wasn't willing to make myself mentally so ill, you know, yeah. but also the physical issues and stress symptoms were starting to come back too. And so I just said, you know, I just can't do this. So I ended up moving out of Denver. I moved to Telluride, Colorado, up in the mountains where I could ski. And I started using art to heal myself, actually. And, you know, I started painting all the time. So, I mean, whenever I had to work two jobs to kind of afford my expenses. So I was working a lot, but it was so much, it was not stressful. You know, I worked in a hotel and a restaurant. It was not stressful. I babysat too and did some nannying. Um, but I painted every day after when, you know, I skied too. So I was busy, but it was all joyful. You know, I was painting pretty much every day. I was writing a lot of poems too. So I'm a writer and a poet as well. So mm -hmm. I was writing poems, painting, um, doing a lot of dancing, skiing. I mean, spending time in nature, living close to nature. It's a small town in the mountains. So it's hiking everywhere. It was very healing. So I was just really coming home to myself in that mm. first year. Mm -hmm. And then one year, so I was also pursuing all my questions, but I still didn't have an answer. So I was still at this decision point. I actually visited some of these schools. You know, I went out to California and toured a bunch of um, kind of more transpersonal type PhD programs out in California. I, I met with UCSF psychiatry. I met with um, Denver psychiatry residency. I, you know, I was trying to decide what, what am I going to do. I actually ended up deciding to go get a PhD in psychology. And I went all the way down the path of like taking the psych GRE, taking the regular GRE, interviewing. I interviewed at Washington and the University of Colorado. And both interviews said we we think you're super interesting and talented but you should be a psychiatrist because you're so clinically like motivated and oriented and not as research based i'm i like to teach so that was the reason why i was like headed in that direction towards phd but they were all like you know we think psychiatry is really where you belong so and do you think they were right? Yes, but in some ways I'm so out of the box as a person. I mean, I psychiatry has been the best fit within medicine. So I do think within medicine, it was right. And in some ways it, you know, the evidence was there all along. I mean, psychiatry was my highest shelf exam in med school. It was my highest marks in med school as well. So it was the easiest for me. Um, mm -hmm. but, and my natural abilities are strongest there, but it's just medicine as it's practiced within the box is just not a fit with me. So I've really mm -hmm. made, I've been able to make psychiatry fit me more than any of the other paths within medicine that I could envision. Yeah. I think so. we're similar in that way. Yeah. I started out in ophthalmology, mm. but um, but yeah, I think that I've been able to fit me in psychiatry <laughs> and figure out, you know, ways in which um, 
you can do it innovatively, right? And not always dependent on medications. Exactly. It seemed the most spacious and flexible. You know, there's room for things like art therapy, movement therapy. And again, you don't have to use medications already because it's set up for psychotherapy to be a part of it too. So it kind of naturally lent itself to just longer visits, more conversation time, more, you know, opportunity to go deeper into spirituality, um, you know, teaching things like meditation, just everything about it, the whole way the longer appointments were and the way it's kind of also independent, like you don't have to have a lot of accessory staff, you know, labs, all that. I loved all of that. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I see. So, so eventually I, I wound up back in a psychiatry residency at the University of Arizona, which was the perfect, most perfect place, holistic place I could find. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and on my way there, I lived at a yoga ashram. So I took three years off between med school and residency and I lived at a yoga ashram. I became a certified instructor. I taught yoga for a while. I taught I taught in an art school actually for a while, some art and some movement. And so, yeah. That's great. And so now tell me what your life is like right now. Now I have kind of my career has definitely been through an evolution, somewhat similar to the way my whole life has been. It's always like I really resonate with the symbol of a spiral. I mean, I always feel like. I'm kind of on this evolution, getting closer and closer to like who I really am and what the juice is. And, and I try to extend that to my clients as well, you know, that metaphor, because it's, I think it's so relevant and important and true. But yeah, so I started out after residency, I had my own healing center with multiple rooms. I had yoga classes and a women's group, and I had special events there, like the Chinese herbalist and Um, different kind of networking events and things like that, usually around holistic medicine or different kind of, you know, raw food or something like that, Um, superfoods. But but I did psychotherapy and 100% a holistic practice. Well, it was a holistic practice. I guess the 100% might be confusing. I did do some prescribing, but I was already at that point integrating and kind of labeling myself a holistic psychiatrist and trying to minimize the Western medicine and have people on herbs and make dietary changes, et cetera. And I had some clients that did art therapy. So I did art therapy. I had some music, like musical instruments and I did some music therapy. I did some movement therapy. I did some yoga, all as part of people's um, session time. And I did that for three years and it was very meaningful, but ultimately I'm, I'm a bit of a nomad at heart. I'm kind of a little bit restless. <laughs> Can you relate? <laughs> I'm a nomad for sure. I'm, I really am. And so I started to get, you know, pretty restless, kind of grew into very restless, kind of restless, grew into very restless. And I just started fantasizing about living in Hawaii and just kind of different contrasting climates because I was in Tucson in the desert. And so slowly I decided to wind down my practice. It was a huge risk and a huge loss. And it actually was really painful to me because it felt like this creation, like my whole practice was an art gallery. Like my, I had art from local artists as well as my own art in the space. I mean, I sold some art there, some, you know, it, it was not just my own, but like, you know, other people's art and it really was like a combination galleries, healing center. Um, That's been my dream actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're talking to the right person. I did it and it was really cool and it just is a lot of roots though. So you know, the restless nomadic part of myself started to fight against the rooted part. And like I said, when I finally pulled up the roots, it was very painful and I grieved it kind of like losing a relationship or a person to death um, Mm -hmm. because I felt like I'd kind of killed this creative, you know, extension of myself. 
And I have to make peace with that. But eventually, like grieving anything, I eventually in a year or two or three, it just slowly started to decrease the pain of losing that. It was my choice. And I embraced the nomadic lifestyle. And this was 2012. So I was kind of an early adopter of, of doing psychotherapy online, actually. A lot of my clients chose to stay with me from Tucson as opposed to find somebody else. So we started working together online. And I started doing online psychotherapy and not med management. So if they were getting meds, they had to have somebody local prescribing their meds. And I was doing holistic type things with them, though, if they were taking herbs or working on their diet, I could talk to them about that. And, and then were you in an RV or something? Where- no, I, would, I lived in houses. So I wasn't like RV level nomad. So I was in Hawaii for two oh, and a half years. Uh-huh. Hawaii for several months and the big island for almost a year and Maui for over a year. Okay. That's awesome. And I lived in houses. I mean, what I love about your story is that you really listen to your body and your heart and you follow, you follow what it says, you know, your soul, you do your soul's work. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. I think that's a great summary (laughs) (laughs) observation of, of me. Yes. And, and I try to teach that to others too. So I, it, it has become kind of a motto or a theme or like, um, yeah. So, um, you know, learn to listen to your body, acknowledge when you're unhappy, try to find, you know, what would make you happier, what is calling you, what's going to feel better and just really search and look for and feel and find and acknowledge when you find it too. Exactly. That's the key really. Um, you know, because so many people are walking around anxious, depressed, and it's because they're not in alignment with their soul's work. Exactly. Not really listening. Mm -hmm. I I know because I was one of those people (laughs) for a long time, just to get through medical school, residency, fellowship, you know, and just really not tapping into who I was or feeling what I needed to feel. Um, and so it's been a journey for me and I try to help people jumpstart <laughs> so that they're not wandering for like years. Um, and they exactly. follow Yeah. So I've always, so in medical school, I was studying a bunch of alternative things while I was also studying the Western medical curriculum, like astrology and tarot and shamanism and western herbalism and chinese herbalism and ayurveda i mean i was reading just a pile of books in addition to my studies that were required and so i was just really you know opening these doors within myself to these other modalities and when i was in hawaii i have started a standalone astrology business and tarot and was but the astrology is really more foundational because it's useful along the lines of what we were just saying about helping people know who they are and kind of provide validation for their path. And I just, I found it to be so accurate. It, it's not very popular as a side interest within Western medicine, current paradigm, because it feels hard to validate it, Mm -hmm. but But in ancient times, in Hippocrates times, and through kind of the Middle Ages, Nostradamus and um, Paracelsus and others around that time, it was extremely common, if not required, that all physicians, I mean, Hippocrates was an astrologer, which many Western doctors don't know, but it was very, very common at that time that all medical doctors were astrologers. And it actually is so helpful, especially as a psychiatrist, to be able to tell people, you know, these certain family issues are in your astrology chart and these, you know, certain things like the artistic ability or writing ability are in your chart. And so it's validating for people like, okay, yeah, I need to honor that and not keep stuffing it down. Or you can tell people like, you're a great teacher. It says so in your chart, or you would be great working with children, or you would be great, um, you know, in a communication-based career and it 
a lot of people, so I mean, you don't have to know astrology or ever have an astrology reading if you do listen well. Yeah. Because if you really follow your heart and kind of the ideas that are like continuously coming through you, it's like your higher self is trying to nudge you along the path. And the astrology chart is just kind of a little bit of a sneak peek, um, mm-hmm. you know, that can be validating, but often people already know the things that are in their charts. Like I've already learned that I'm pretty good at art or that I'm a good teacher or that I'm a, you know, whatever your different skills are um, mm-hmm. and the chart will just validate it. So, so that ended up being another very unique eccentric kind uh-huh. of side angle of my story. Uh huh. And you still, you still do it now, right? Mm-hmm. So, so now leave it in. So now you're doing a uh, telepsychiatry practice with all, incorporating all of these modalities. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, after I left Tucson, I was mobile for five years. And then again, listening to myself and listening to the calling of my soul, I started to feel less fulfilled with with that kind of peripatetic lifestyle. And I was like, I think I need some roots again. I think I'd like some colleagues. I love to teach. I would like, you know, to make a more, you know, communal type impact and, you know, just interact with others. So I started thinking, I I need colleagues. I need an organization. I need structure. So I started looking into academic jobs and I applied for like five or six different academic positions. This was in 2016. And, and I applied to the Chopra Center. Okay. I'd known about the Chopra Center because I read Deepak Chopra's book, Perfect Health, when I was in med school and it, it impacted me and it started to help me. So I, when I read that book, I actually had the thought, I want to work at the Chopra Center one day because it was already existing. It had just been founded um, way back then when I was in med school. So it is always, I've always carried it within me as a dream, I guess, a possibility from possibility seed. And at that time in 2016, I remembered it. I reached out to them as well as applied to these academic jobs. And I did get an academic offer as well as the Chopra Center offered me, they, they responded to my email. They said, we've been looking for a psychiatrist. We've been waiting for the right one. You know, you've got the yoga background. You're already doing Ayurveda. You're already living this healthy lifestyle. I think you're the one. So I went, I moved to California and did, you know, become more grounded for two and a half years to work at the Chopra Center until it closed. I would have stayed longer. It was, I loved it, but Deepak decided to close it at the end of 2019, pre-COVID. He was kind of smart intuitively, I guess it lined up, but he wanted to focus more on online events. And, you know, he just is going in a different direction as his life is evolving. And he, he ran this in-person center for like over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I, I was like the um, hospice (laughs) at the end of the Chopper uh, Center, but it was still such a beautiful experience. Oh, have some, they still are doing something, right? So it's- they transitioned to, you know, just doing online events for a couple of years, kind of in 2020 during COVID. And they were always looking for another spot. Even when I was there, there was some talk about like, are we just going to relocate? Because um, like we had kind of outgrown, I guess you could say our spot at um, the La Costa Spa. Mm-hmm. And so they thought about just relocating. They could never find the right match for who to collaborate with um, while I was there, while it was still going. So then there was like a year and a half where there was no in-person um, center, but it's no longer really Chopra Center owning it and operating it and employing people. It's mostly Siviana people. And it's it's a bit different. And I was already onto my nomad journey again by the time that started it still crosses my mind might I want to go back and try to um, be involved with that again because it was such a fabulous experience but at this point I'm still enjoying my freedom okay and and you're doing what now exactly some holistic psychiatry evaluation so some people I see for a like they might have another psychiatrist or other providers, but they want to know what they can do to move in a holistic direction. 
So they'll have a meeting with me and I'll give a typed list of recommendations as well as do some like brief coaching, kind of perspective shifting in the session. And usually I'll try to follow that up with one or two other sessions just to kind of see how they're going with the recommendations over a couple of months. And then if they want to and have the income to afford the sessions, then they may come in for like ongoing holistic psychotherapy sessions or some kind of coaching. And then I have some people who just do an Ayurvedic eval. So working at the Chopra Center, I got very skilled at doing these Ayurvedic evals. So I offer those as well. And that's people can come and learn about their dosha, their constitutional type, what they should be eating, what kinds of practices and um, kind of behaviors and just lifestyle habits that people should have to balance their energy. And you really can improve stress and sleep and mood and a variety of things just by aligning yourself with different aspects of nature and doing different practices that are thousands of years old from Ayurveda. It really does work. I mean, I've really, really applied it in my life and have seen great benefit. So I do that. And I use herbs in that session as well. So I give people kind of herbal recommendations and that is expanding on the psychiatry. So through the Ayurveda, I'll talk more about people's digestion, constipation, irritable bowel things, headaches, autoimmune conditions, hormones. So it's kind of um, a more holistic view of the body. And I did a year of family practice internship, actually a full family practice internship rather than a psychiatry internship and that enables me yeah I did a full year as well you did too we have so much in common I know I did a full year at Yale of primary primary care internal medicine which is was very much you know like family med a A whole year very intense very intense yeah I took Q4 call yeah listening who doesn't know what that is that's every fourth night yeah, Q3, I was in the cardiac ICU for, <laughs> for a bunch of rotations too. And, but yeah, I've never forgotten that. And I so appreciate having that, um, you know, first year of primary care medicine, because as a psychiatrist, I think a lot of people forget that we're doctors <laughs> And there's so many things that masquerade as psychiatric problems, you know, from anemia to lupus, you know, that um, often get missed or women get misdiagnosed. Uh, So I love the fact that I think about people holistically and, um, you know, looking at even their environment at home, how that can really impact them as well. So that enabled me to feel more confident to be able to, you know, I, I'm not anybody's primary care doctor, I'm just a consultant, but it's still, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many gallbladders I've actually diagnosed when their primary care doctor didn't even know it, or, you know, I'm like a relatively good diagnostician, even though I don't manage any of those problems for people, I still utilize that background to diagnose various problems that people have. And it also is so nice to, you know, because this, the converse is true too, that, you know, stress is a foundation of just so many physical problems and it has this emotional, but yeah, so it's really wonderful to be able to have that a bit comfort with being Mm -hmm. able to go in both directions pretty well. I mean, sometimes I'll tell people, you know, I don't know the nuances of the current treatment for this or that kidney, you know, you know, I I know the limits of my knowledge, but I still have enough knowledge to be really useful in a lot of, you know, wide ranging situations. So, so yeah, the, the holistic psychiatry, Ayurveda, I also do standalone astrology readings. I do astro coaching, I call it, which is a little bit more self-directed, like if somebody's trying to find their career, find their path, find their college major, you know, and they want a little bit more of that um, blending of this is what your astrology says, but I also love to kind of ask questions to help people dive in. You might do something similar 
to help people kind of figure out like what, you know, what's really your passion? What's lighting you up? What makes you excited and animated? What comes easily to you? You know, those sorts of things to help kind of people hone in on what their path is. Yeah, that's what I do too. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, so where can people find you if they want to work with you? And the other question I had before you answer that, are you licensed in other states as a physician or is this mainly coach through coaching that you do this work? I'm still licensed to practice medicine in California, Colorado, and Arizona. So I can do psychotherapy and holistic psychiatry evaluations online for those states. Mm -hmm. And for anyone else, I usually put them into a general coaching eval and we don't have diagnosis or you know, any discussion of medication and it's more of coaching or they go into an Ayurvedic kind of evaluation or astrology or astro coaching. Uh, where can people find you so that they can have one of these evaluations if needed? Well, my website is caseybud.com, K-A-Y-S-E-B-U-D-D. And I also have a domain called the Astro Muse because that's kind of my astrology practice. So that might be easier to remember. So it's the astromuse.com as well. We'll reroute people to my website. And I have an Instagram that I've worked hard on that's growing. It, it includes some health and Ayurveda type topics, but it's a little bit of travel, beautiful pictures, yoga, because I've still remained very passionate about yoga and astrology and that. My handle is Mystic Mandala. And there's some art and poems on there occasionally as well. But thank you so much for being a guest. I appreciate it. It was super fun. I just, I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. And I just am so excited to meet you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Dr. Casey Budd. She has a very holistic practice and incorporates so many wonderful modalities. If you'd like to get in touch with her, I, you can do that by contacting her directly. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If any of this resonates with you, please feel free to leave a review, subscribe, and share with someone else who might be interested in this topic. And if you're interested in working with me, either uh, as a coach or a therapist, please let me know. You can contact me through any of the social media handles, Dr. Isla Bates, MD, or through my website at www.dralabatesmd.com. Thanks again, and I can't wait for the next episode. Bye now.